The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob. Welcome to Sox Machine Live on this very fine May 26, 2021 day. I am Josh Nelson alongside Jim Margulis, the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. And Bennett Carroll is with us. He's back from vacation as he went to Cancun and going to weddings and being Mr. Popular Flying all over the place. He records one wake-up call and goes on vacation. (laughs) I I took my time. I earned my time off, and I took it. I don't see the deal. (laughs) Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, we are are streaming this live on YouTube.com slash Socks Machine. And for those that don't get an opportunity to, li- to watch the live stream on our YouTube channel, we always upload the audio version of this show into the podcast feed so you can catch up and listen to us on the audio-only version uh, for this episode of Socks Machine Live. But on this episode, we are going to be recapping uh, the last series for the White Sox as they won two out of three against the St. Louis Cardinals, and Game 3 wasn't very fun for the White Sox. Uh, but we'll we'll discuss as far as we what we watched in Game 3 as there could be some – Let's not say long-term, but maybe medium-term impact as far as injuries go. Later in the show, we will be previewing this upcoming weekend series against the Baltimore Orioles, and weather is going to be playing a factor in this series. We'll touch on all of that. Uh, But, Jim, let's start right away with the White Sox. They they won the series. They won Mm -hmm. two out of three games, and we had a – you know, interesting in as far as a pitcher's duel going on in game one and the White Sox benefited uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals going too long with their starter uh, and Andrew Vaughn made them pay. And so did Tim Anderson uh, and game two against Jack Flaherty. The St. Louis Cardinals forgot to play defense 
And in game three, the Chicago White Sox forgot how to play offense. That's pretty much how you can sum up this three-game series between the White Sox and the Cardinals as the White Sox won two out of three. What are your big takeaways for from this three-game series between the White Sox and Cardinals? It feels like the season is being very gentle about introducing any of the ways that the White Sox offense could, you know, go into a prolonged slump. Like they've, you know, Adam Eaton leaving today's game, the outfield being ravaged by injuries, the right-handed production lacking against right-handed pitchers. Uh, some cracks starting to show against lefties with uh, three losses now in the season and not looking all that great in the opener uh, until uh, a third time through. So it feels like, you know, this is kind of the, the kind of offense that can go into a slump, like say for, you know, uh, two weeks or so and, and kind of have to pitch like hell to stay away from 500, but it hasn't done it yet. I mean, they, they benefited from uh, a, a slow hook in the opener. Then, as you mentioned, the Cardinals defense just collapses. And so they end up scoring five runs on, on two soft hits and a whole bunch of mistakes before Abreu actually like launched the hell out of one and just made it, you know, actually legit. And then, you know, as we saw in the finale, just a lot of squandered opportunities. Uh, Tony La Russa feeling pressured. I, you know, I, I imagine just shorthand enough to where he felt like he had to get one run and, and thus they got zero runs because uh, they just didn't, you know, they could, they, they couldn't take advantage of the three, four five situations that got to them. And they also wasted outs beforehand. So that it was just a compound failure there. So, you know, as you mentioned, they won two out of three, so that's great. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, it just feels like they're not doing it in a replicable way. I guess the good news is they keep replicating it. <laughs> they haven't, <laughs> you know, hasn't caught up to them yet. So you just hope that at some point, uh, either some guys will, you know, stop slumping or reinforcements will arrive. How about you, Ben? What were your big takeaways from this series win for the White Sox against the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, coming off of the the sweep against the Yankees, it obviously felt good to even just take two of three from a team. Um, but yeah, I, I think similar to what Jim said, like it, it's nice to have, I don't know how long they can keep doing it like this over three games where the offense either drops 14 runs or they scramble and try to find a way to win. So I like, there's not much for me to really take out of it. Uh, I think I made a realization today that I actually fully buy in on Carlos Rodon at this point, which was never going to happen, uh, but I, I think I'm in at this point. <laughs> but beyond yeah. that, like, I really don't like, – that. this is just like, all right, we took two or three, like that is the positive, and we're just going to keep going from there. Yeah, and let's talk about the injuries here for the Chicago White Sox. As uh, during the game, I was actually at the game, and I could tell from Adam Eaton just running as far as laying down the sacrifice bunt and – beating out a double play that he was having enough speed to get to first base, but he was limping every single time he was running. If he wasn't running full speed, Adamine is limping and the White Sox took Adamine out of the game. They moved Lurie Garcia from center field to right field and had Billy Hamilton come into the game. And the White Sox are calling that hamstring tightness for Adamine. And then Michael Kopech comes in, and he's looking good. And as he throws his final pitch of the inning, it just seems like he gets shot in the leg and falls down. And they're calling that hamstring soreness for Michael Kopech. And for these two injuries, Jim, I guess we could start with Adam Eaton because mm -hmm. he is no stranger to the injured list, especially since he got traded away from the White Sox to the Washington Nationals. This has been a concern of ours. And if he has to go on the injured list, who's the next guy up for the White Sox to help out in the outfield? Uh, well, I think the answer after two weeks would have been Gavin Sheets. But since he's gone on the road and away from Charlotte, his numbers look a little bit nor more normal now. So he's not an instant solution. Uh, yeah, it was funny with Eaton. Uh, he's got a little bit of that Yohan Moncada thing to where every time like he pulls up after running through first, he has that kind of hitch in his uh, gait and kind of looks like he's limping a little bit. And uh, it's almost like an old man walk a little bit. And then uh, when he has to run again, he's fine. So I didn't really notice it or I just assumed he was just doing his thing. And uh, his removal from the game surprised me uh, in, the, in the, I guess, the, the micro and the macro and, and the bigger picture. 
it didn't surprise me just because he's been batting 125 since that game against D- Detroit where he fell down three times. Uh, and that seemed like it had, you know, they, I guess they try to talk their way past it or just shrug it off, but the performance hadn't been there since. So it seemed like, you know, there's either going to be some kind of uh, reversal from that slump to where he'd be producing again, or there would be mm-hmm. some, some toll he would have to pay at some point to say like, okay, I'm not doing it. And basically it might've seemed like he reached that breaking point where he admitted that uh, just his legs weren't carrying the way he needed to. And uh, yeah, it's, it's weird going to Billy Hamilton and, and Larry Garcia, but then you have Eaton batting 125 for the last 20 games and he's not really any better. So this might be, it's not a good thing to have him out. But it also just might not be a bad thing when you realize just how much he's been underperforming. You like having him at the plate more than the other guys, but in terms of results, his results fit right in with Hamilton and Garcia. Both Kopech and Adamine, I imagine, are going to need MRIs to make sure what the exact extent is for their hamstring injuries. Continuing the conversation regarding Adam Eaton. Bennett, if he does have to go on the injured list, is there anyone in particular that you would like the White Sox to call up to fill in for Adamine if he has to be on the injured list for at least 10 days. So, I mean, Jim mentioned Gavin Sheets, and he's struggled since since leaving Charlotte. Uh, I know I haven't looked at Brian Goodwin's stats in a little while, but I know he was struggling when they first signed him. But that was the role they had signed him with the intention of was coming up and filling that role in. Otherwise, like, don't make me say Blake Rutherford. Like, come on, man. Like, it, it's not Blake Rutherford, but like it's probably Blake Rutherford right now. Like I've made jokes that Blake Rutherford's gonna be 32 and be in the farm system. Like don't don't make me renege those jokes. Is he is Blake Rutherford on the 40 man? Yes. Okay, so that is a, a possibility. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, no, Nick Williams. I, <laughs> do you want to try that again? No. I'm, is he even playing in Charlotte? Uh, I've seen him surface here and there, but I'm not sure with Brian Goodwin coming, uh, coming up and, and Goodwin's been like, uh, all or nothing, like basically extra base hits or strikeouts. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I, I figured they would have already called him up if they liked what they saw from Charlotte and help out in Chicago because they do need help. But the fact that they haven't called up Brian Goodwin, Makes me think that the White Sox are like, yeah, we could use more depth in AAA right now. Uh, Let's go to the injury that might be a little bit more concerning because he's been pitching so well out of the bullpen, Jim, uh, for the White Sox, and that's Michael Kopech. And you wrote about Kopech's usage on SoxMachine.com. You're welcome. And with the upcoming doubleheader in Cleveland, it did seem like that Kopech was on schedule to maybe make a start uh, in one of those doubleheader games against the Cleveland Indians. And now there may be a setback here, depending on what the MRI says about Michael Kopech's hamstring. Uh, was this, as far as this particular injury, does this really shake up if the MRI comes back and says Kopech needs to go on the IL and rest for a couple of weeks as far mm-hmm. as his schedule to ramp up his workload that the White Sox might be able to count on him more later in the season? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Just because there was nothing suggesting at the moment that he needed uh, a breather. And then like after this double header, the schedule becomes more normal. I mean, there are a couple of uh, stretches with like 10 to you know 14 games in a row, but nothing, you know, no double headers. Uh, there's a week with a couple off days. So once they're clear of this initial stretch of 18 games in 17 days, it becomes a little bit easier to manage workload. So I thought he was well set up for the uh, double header starts. And then after that, you know, give him a few days off, depending on how he pitches, he throws and goes from there. Uh, I, I was, it was unfortunate just when he fell down, the way he kind of flopped around, I was hoping it would be like a funny thing, just like that. He took a wrong step and didn't know where the contact was and was just trying to figure out if he needed to do anything. And uh, I, I, you know, the <laughs> all set up for, you know, to say like, you just, you know, was ready to throw down and start break dancing badly. And then like the way he hobbled off the dug, I was just like, Oh no, that's just, that's, yeah. that's, that's a bad one. <laughs> so, and it was in the, in the, in the fast walk off too was unusual just because it seemed like whether he just like, uh, I couldn't tell if it was more want to get to a trainer, want to get out of the camera or just, 
uh, slightly embarrassed and want to walk off and, and, you know, and draw no attention to it. It's hard to say, but I'm hoping it was more just an awkward fall and, and precautionary. But when they mentioned hamstring versus like, oh, he turned an ankle and, and just happened right. to roll it. And, you know, it's not even a sprain. It's just more of a, uh, you know, just everybody does it and step on a sidewalk funny, you know, take a tumble. Ha ha ha. But they mentioned hamstring and that's different. That's yeah. There, there's more connected. To that. So I'm not expecting to make the start. And as I wrote about, like there aren't a whole lot of candidates in Charlotte to take that start, not even like candidates in the bullpen to allow for an opener or call up an extra arms to rotate in and out to, you know, make use of uh, a Johnny Holstaff game. Uh, in the comment section on YouTube, and I'll share this real quick, ND19M uh, posted a comment on our stream that Gavin Sheets just took a huge dive into the opposing dugout and was visited by trainers. So, sure, why not? Of course. Uh, and maybe that's just, again, this is not a problem that's just unique to the Chicago White Sox. The New York Yankees have gotten some bad news regarding Corey Kluber. Sounds like Kluber will have to miss at least the next four weeks due to a shoulder injury. And Luke Voigt is going back on the injured list. There are multiple teams that have more than 12 players on their injured list right now. And it I know we're not even a third of the way done with this season, Bennett. But the theme, I think, in order to decide who are going to be the contenders and who are the pretenders is really survival of the fittest. Like who can stay the healthiest right now in Major League Baseball has played a huge factor on how well your team is doing. And I'm just hoping that the White Sox who have done, you know, they've had some serious Big time injuries, losing Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez already two months of this season, and hopefully they get them back. But if you add Adam Eaton and you add Michael Kopech to that list, man, Bennett, that depth is being seriously challenged for the White Sox. Yeah, like it's it's a weird comparison between like the White Sox and the Mets, where the White Sox, you know, they might lose more like man games, if you would, of of guys from their their roster just because of the two or three big injuries but the Mets have I think the last I checked was half of their 40 man was on the IL right now James but like legitimately yeah I, I I they called me actually about playing catcher I told I had to explain I was left-handed and it was like they weren't going to pay for my flight it wasn't worth it um but like yeah it's 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 always been a depth issue I think even in years where it hasn't been that this bad Depth has been important, and now you see it even more so where it's not about having the five war guys coming off the bench because that's not you know you're, that's not realistic. It's about having just guys who you know can step in off the bench. And for at times, surprisingly, Billy Hamilton has been that, which is weird. I think Danny Mendick is the perfect step off the bench as your depth guy. But if it keeps going from here, the White Sox are going to have issues and. Hopefully the division they're in helps them out a little bit, but I, it's just scary. Well, let's move away from a scary topic and let's try to add some positivity to this episode of Sox and <laughs> Live. Uh, let's talk about Carlos Rodon, Jim. And he was outstanding again against St. Louis. He made one bad pitch to Tommy Edmond, uh, who took him deep for a home run. Edmond had two home runs on the day. Uh, but the last two starts for Carlos Rodon, I mean, it's 23 strikeouts, zero walks, one run allowed. He's only allowed three hits. And the White Sox are 0-2 in those two games. They lost <laughs> both of these games. And I feel like Carlos Rodon is getting Jacob DeGromd for the White Sox. Well, you started that positively, and then you ended up with losing <laughs> both games and getting the ground. So way to go. Like you've, you've fallen off the wagon already, but it's uh, yeah. It, it, the funny thing about Radon is like, he gave up the, the homer on the changeup. And then it was almost like he reverted back to like his mode when he was either at NC state or maybe even before in high school to where like, what am I doing with the changeup? Guys can't hit my fastball. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're lucky to, to, to uh, make contact and line it into the uh, first base dugout. Just how much power it has in this final pitch of the game hitting a hundred, uh, you know, blowing it past Paul Goldschmidt that, you know, we, we've talked a lot about this season about how with Carlos Rodon, you can't see a lot of things coming. You didn't see a no hitter coming. You didn't see, 
the ERA and all the amazing peripherals supporting that low ERA coming. And now I didn't see a hundred uh, for a final pitch of a game uh, in late May. Like not, you know, this wasn't just a fresh arm, you know, in April, a fresh arm coming off an injury. It was just when the fatigue wall starts to set in and, and maybe start uh, ratcheting it down and, and, and gearing up for six months of baseball versus the adrenaline of just being out there. Uh, you're just seeing, with each start more and more power. And uh, even like the one start, like where he had a couple starts where he's like started out throwing like 92 in the first inning, he was still getting up to 96, 97. And now he's like starting 93, 94 and finishing at hundred and it's nuts. It really is. And, and Bennett, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you are on the Carlos Herdon bandwagon. Now uh, are you driving the bandwagon or are you uh, just tagging along and enjoying the ride? I'm definitely like sitting in the middle of the bus. I'm just kind of chilling, uh, hoping, you know, not, not quite in the ruckus in the back. I don't have the license to drive just yet, but I'm definitely hanging out. I'm on the bus. I'm, I'm riding along. My, my big concern for him, obviously with Carlos Rodon was, was re-injury. And I just think I reread some of the stuff about his, his workouts and him like really getting in shape. And I think that's what really got me uh, to buy in a little bit more. But I, I'm on the bus. I, I can't say I'm right, driving it at all. And in these two losses, and Jim, this is an opportunity for, to, for you to toot your horn. The White Sox are not facing world beaters when it comes to opposing starting pitchers. Uh, they face Jordan Montgomery of the New York Yankees. It's a lefty. This should be an easy one. Well, Montgomery strikes out 10-plus hitters. And then it's John Gant for St. Louis, which the dude's got a sub-2 ERA now. I'm not sure how, because he puts so much traffic on the bases for St. Louis. Uh, and, the, and the dude is just an escape artist right now, uh, as far as uh, with the run prevention side. And the White Sox offense is not helping out Carlos Rodon at all. And he's doing everything that he can uh, to put the team in a position to win that game. I do feel like these last two starts, though, are a bit different than what we saw from, let's say, Jose Quintana during the 2016-2017 seasons. Yeah, Gantz was the guy I was looking at just when, when this series started. We, we talked about it uh, you know, in, the, in the preview on Monday's show, talking about just that's the kind of starter they need to beat, uh, the guy who puts a lot of traffic on the bases. And the White Sox, you know, what, even against right-handed pitching, they're fine in the OPP department. I think that's what's uh, simultaneously the uh, most encouraging thing and the most frustrating or disheartening thing is that when they have the top OBP against right-handed pitching and they're still below average in scoring runs or taking their sweet time getting to guys like uh, Gantley and get to Gant, but taking their sweet time getting like a, to a Matt Shoemaker type. Uh, that's, I think, what is worrisome. Uh, and I guess the one thing you can say is that, you know, perhaps, um, you know, if Yasmani Grandal gets his left-handed swing back at any point, that's one thing that could tilt the lineup over to be like just, you know, causing rallies, but never capitalizing them to having that one extra bat that can provide uh, instant offense with one swing, a three run Homer, rather than hoping for a sack fly after three carefully constructed bats or a bunt. Uh, that's, that's what they're lacking. Cause I think their first OVP, but the last I checked, they were 10th in slugging against righties. So they have the capability of just causing traffic. It's just the impact bats. And even like Yohan Makata, he didn't have a great game. He had some weird swings against Gantt. So maybe there's something mm -hmm. in his delivery that causes deception. But they've also been shut down by enough ordinary right-handed pitchers to where you can't just say, like, every guy's deception. Because, like, at some point, you can just say that every pitcher is attempting to fool hitters. That's, like, part of the job description of pitching. So it would seem like uh, eventually that, would, that excuse runs out. The White Sox... Let's say the gym at the end of the season, the White Sox are a 500 team against right-handed starting pitchers. That's great. But if they win 70% of the games against left-handed starters that they face, is that good enough? As far as that ratio, knowing just how few of left-handed starters there are in major league baseball. Yeah, that should be enough. I mean, that's basically just trying to think right now. It's probably 90 wins or close to it. Uh, if you know, and, and that should be enough to get in. It might be enough to win the central going away, depending on uh, whether the uh, you know, twins can make up ground and whether the uh, Cleveland's here to stay. You know, part of it just might be outrunning their division and, and kind of like the idea of like, you know, how fast do you need to be to outrun a bear? Just <laughs> like, 
don't have to be the fastest. Yeah. So that's kind of how it is with the central. Then you hope that there's just enough uh, when October rolls around to have the depth to occasionally pull off uh, a game with a guy like Rodon throwing as well as he is, or, you know, Giolito, if he's throwing as well as he has been the last few times out. So, you know, 500 is, is adequate. 500, I think, is a goal, depending on how long these injuries last. It does seem like Gavin Sheets did stay in the game uh, after his uh, tumble. And also, Adam Engel is playing center now. He went two for four. It looks like he was lifted just to uh, – well, you never know quite know if it's like he was lifted in order to fly back to Chicago. But I'm guessing first game in center, that's just more uh, lifted to not complete a game and to introduce him to a full game's work next time out. But you never know. Anyway, Adam, Engel went two for four. It's probably one of those things like, you know, Adam, you hit a home run. You just went two for four. You're good to go. Come on. Come on. We we need you this weekend. Hop on the, hop on the flight. Where are they playing right now? As far as Charlotte? Cause they're not Uh, at home. Norfolk. So, Hey, you're already facing some of the Baltimore Orioles players. Come on, (laughs) hop on a plane. Let's go face the real Baltimore Orioles team. Uh, let's shift to another topic here. And he did not have a good game three. And that is Yerba Mercedes. Uh, Mercedes had four plate appearances. First plate appearance, bases loaded. He lined out and it was it was good contact. It's just that Adamine got thrown out at home. Uh, it was a nice defensive play. Second plate appearance, bases loaded. Doesn't capitalize. Third plate appearance, runners on first and second. Doesn't capitalize. Fourth plate appearance, runners on first and second, doesn't capitalize. So many opportunities for Yumer Mercedes in game three against St. Louis to really be a hero for the White Sox and be that offensive catalyst for them. And some notes that I have, because I, I want to talk about as far as this regression in May, because now it is a regression for Yumer Mercedes. And in the month of April, we pay a lot of attention when White Sox hitters join the team at how well they're doing against the four-seam fastball, how are they handling against velocity, and the slider. The slider has given White Sox hitters, especially young hitters that are just getting their first taste of the major leagues, a tough time. And in the month of April for Yuma Mercedes, he passed with flying colors. Against four-seamers, he had a 357 batting average, slugged 643. And against sliders, he hit 300, and he slugged 700 against sliders. That's fantastic. In the month of May, Mercedes is still doing well on the batting average side against four-seamers. He's hitting 320 against fastballs, uh, but he's slugging just 400. Against the slider, he's now hitting 227, and he's slugging 318. And these numbers drastically change with two strikes against Yuma Mercedes. We know that he has two different swings. His first swing, he's really loading up that front leg as it helps him get his hip, hips through the zone, and he can really mash pitches that are in the inside or middle part of the plate, and he's more of a pull hitter in the first two strikes that he's working with. When he's got his second strike working on him, he shuts that front leg down, it's a no-strike swing, and he can capitalize on pitches towards the outside corner. Well, opposing pitchers are figuring that out. On two strikes in the month of April, opposing pitchers really challenged Yuma Mercedes with the four-seamer. They threw it 36% of the time against Mercedes with two strikes. And he hit 300, uh, and he slugged 400. But in the slider in the month of April, they only threw it 15% of the time against Mercedes, and he did not have good results. He hit 111, and he slugged just 222. In the month of May, Opposing pitchers are throwing the slider with two strikes against Yuma Mercedes now 37% of the time. That is a huge jump in pitch pitch usage against Yuma Mercedes with two strikes. And he's not getting any better as far as making contact. He's hitting just 188. And the four-seamer is being thrown 33% of the time with two strikes at Yuma Mercedes. And he's hitting 333, but no extra base hits against that pitch. And Jim, this is something that, you know, we've talked about that maybe was going to be coming for Yuma Mercedes and just looking at the numbers, the league is adjusting to him. And that adjustment seems to be a lot more sliders now, Mm -hmm. especially with two strikes. And they're still pumping as far as the four seamer, they're actually increased the amount of velocity he's seen, especially with the first two strikes on the outside corner of the play 
10% more in the month of May. So I think it boils down to that opposing pitchers right now are attacking Mercedes in the outside corner for strike one, strike two. As soon as they get there and they get him thinking outside corner and he changes his stance. Now here comes the slider in the inside corner and he hasn't been able to figure that out or make another adjustment to punish the pitchers attempting to go with this strategy against him. Yeah, I think I've noticed like a lot more two strike counts. I think that's my biggest takeaway is that in the first uh, month, the two strike, two swing, or sorry, the two strike swing was a novelty. It was, oh, he got to two strikes and now you're going to see him battle. Now you're going to see him dig in. This is fun. Gather around the TV because this is, uh, you know, now you're going to see a battle. But now it just seems like he gets to 0-2 or 1-2 pretty quickly, uh, very quickly, as Hawk would say. And that's when I start getting tired of that two strike swing, just because especially like when there's nobody on base or maybe there's two outs or a situation where it's early in the game and you may as well just let it rip. The, the value of a strikeout is uh, not that damaging or, or not that special to a pitcher. So you may as well uh, let it rip. That's when, you know, I, I see the swing come out where he's, you're kind of feeling for the ball poking. And it seems like he tends to drop the bat head and, and poke uh, or pop up pitches to the right side into foul territory. And we talked about a little bit with Nick Madrigal, how he sometimes seems like he's trying to avoid the strikeouts uh, mm-hmm. and, and almost put the ball in play for the sake of putting the ball in play versus actually trying to make productive contact and, and uh, absorb the risk of, you know, not being the, uh, you know, you're not having like a contact rate in the high nineties, you know, or it might be in the low nineties perish a thought with Mercedes. I think I'd like to see, you know, cause he's not a fast baseman. There's no value for him getting on first and like no special value to him just reaching uh, if he just reaches out, like pokes a grounder through the right side. So when the leverage is there to where, or when the leverage isn't there, I should say, and you may as well just hope for a double, see what happens. I wouldn't mind seeing him just try to be more aggressive with this two strike swing, just to maybe at least change the scouting report and not feel like all I got to do is get to two strikes and then he'll get himself out or he'll just like feel for pitches off the plate and, and won't have convincing swings in anything. Bennett, what are you seeing with your Mercedes in the month of May? I mean, similarly, yeah. I, th- I think the the two-strike swing, and I always thought it was cool. I The second you see it, though, you know he's, all right, he's going to battle, he's going to have fun. Like you said, he didn't have a single extra base hit. Like, that doesn't surprise me. That That's a single swing, and there's nothing wrong with it being a single swing. But that's a swing where he's going to, you know, he'll hit it the other way, he'll find, he'll find a hole and, and drop a single in. So I, I agree with Jim. I actually would, would like to see him try to load up on a couple two-strikes uh, pitches, just A, to change the scouting report agreed, and B, to, you know, what's the worst thing that happens is the same thing. Sorry if you hear the thunder in the background. There is there is a full-on storm. Uh, the storm has come to D.C., uh, <laughs> if you would. But, yeah, so that's basically where I'm at is I'd like to see him try something else because as always, it's it's the, you know, you get the punch, you punch back when, when it – you know, so he hits six thousand, you know, six hundred to start the season. All right, they come with something else. So he he has to adjust back, and I'm interested to see if he can make that adjustment. I agree with both of you. I think, honestly, for the rest of this series against Baltimore, I would like him to ditch the two the, the two strike approach. I am off the two strike approach bandwagon. I liked the approach in April. It was interesting. I think it threw opposing pitchers off. I think this swing sucks. That is just my honest assessment for Yerman Mercedes. A big dude like Yerman, a stout dude, let's call it stout. A stout dude like Yerman Mercedes cannot swing the bat like Nick Madrigal because he's not getting the same type of hip rotation when he's not having that front leg coming up. When he lifts that leg up, it allows him to get the back rotation to get through the zone. Right now, he's just all arms and shoulders. That's why we see so many flares to right field because he's just not building up as far as that bat speed and that bat load. Uh, and I think he just needs to ditch it. I understand what he's trying to do. This is my first time in the major leagues. I'm trying to prove that I can get on base uh, no matter what. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not too proud to slap a single here and there. Uh, but if you're batting cleanup, man, just go with the leg kick all the time. Nick Madrigal goes with the leg kick all the time. Andrew Vaughn goes with the leg kick all the time. I think Yuma Mercedes needs to go with the leg kick all of the time. Give something a different look for opposing pitchers right now. Because if they spin a slider on the inside corner, 
He can't hit it right now with his two-strike approach because he's not getting his hips through the zone. But if he brings that leg kick back, he's going to give himself a better chance. Yeah, one thing, uh, I, uh, one tweet I found that uh, Chris Kamka tweeted out, I think after the, yeah, it was right after the Homer off Asadio. He said, pitch speeds of your mean Mercedes home runs this season, 87.6, 86.4, 92.2, 84.5, 84.9, and 47.1. So he's not really turning around velocity, at least with any kind of authority. So it seems like, you know, maybe there's a point for him not loading up every time if he feels like he can't turn around a fastball with that kind of swing. But at the same time, he is seeing diminishing returns from just feeling for the ball. So probably, you know, he has to figure out some way to, to meet it in between to where he just, uh, he's not completely behind every pitch and just not setting himself up to be blown away by high fastballs. Um, but also just doesn't leave himself to be, just have basically like praying for a bloop single. Yeah, a, I know it's fun to see you and Mercedes at the top of the batting average charts right now. It made- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. League Baseball. But I do think he provides more value to the White Sox if he's a 280 batting average guy, but he's slugging well over 500. Another bat in the White Sox lineup to make up losing a 500 slugger in Aloy Jimenez uh, if Mercedes can do that. And, and that's just how I feel right now with Mercedes, Jim, is that I feel pretty strongly about this, that he should ditch the two strikes for a couple of weeks and just load up and try to hit every ball to the moon right now. Because yeah, uh, uh, I think I think the White Sox need more of that. No extra base hits since the Acidio homer. So I don't know if that's like his, maybe he's, he's has some kind of silent protest going on. <laughs> that's quite the protest. I, I would think you would, you know, spark him to go like hit six home runs that's in like this week. like a baseball week. hunger strike. <laughs> oh man. But, you know, hopefully you remember Mercedes figures it out and, and get back, gets back on track. He should have that opportunity in this upcoming series for the White Sox as it's Memorial Day weekend and they'll play four games over the weekend against the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, let's go ahead and preview that series now on Sox Machine Live as we take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. And the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. I got to tell you guys. The Orioles are what we call in the industry struggling. They have lost nine straight games. They are 17 and 32 offensively. They average a little more, a little less than four runs per game uh, on the run prevention side. They are allowing more than five runs per game. That's a quick way on how you become 17 and 32 and have one of the worst records in all of major league baseball. Uh, looking at the pitching problems for this series, and let's talk about the weather in Chicago for Thursday and Friday this week. On Thursday, May 27th, there is a 70% chance of rain, and that rain is going to start at 3 p.m. Central Time. The high is 60 degrees, and the low is 48 degrees. 
Uh, so it's supposed to rain through the evening with the hardest rain again coming after 3 p.m. Central Time going all the way through the night as it will slow down in five in the morning on Friday. And then on Friday, the rain is supposed to pick up again. The heaviest stretch is going to be from 1 to 3 p.m. And then there's supposed to be another stretch of rain that starts around at 7 p.m. Uh, and the high will be 51 degrees on Friday uh, with the low being 47 degrees. So the weather, it, it seems like April weather is coming at least for the first two games of this series on Thursday and Friday. And there's a serious chance that both of these games could be washed out for the White Sox and for the pitching probables for these two days, it's going to be Bruce Zimmerman for Baltimore against Dylan Seas. That's the probable matchup for Thursday, May 27th. On Friday, it is Matt Harvey for Baltimore against Dallas Keuchel. So again, we'll see weather pending on what happens with these matchups. Uh, going into the weekend on Saturday and Sunday, uh, the weather looks great. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be in the low to mid-60s in Chicago. These games should go on schedule. Uh, it's going to be John Means for the Baltimore Orioles against Lance Lynn. And on Sunday, it's Keegan Aiken against Lucas Giolito. Uh, but Jim, you know, with weather, we, we talked about this in the past. And on Memorial Day, Monday, the White Sox are heading to Cleveland and they already have a doubleheader scheduled for that game uh, for that day. They're going to play a, their first game around two o'clock p.m. Central Time and then the second game around 540 p.m. Central Time in Cleveland. Uh, again, weather pending uh, what happens as far as on Monday. But we mentioned with Michael Kopech and we mentioned with Adam Eaton's injuries and that the White Sox are playing 18 games in 17 days. Is Mother Nature helping the White Sox out if rain wipes out either Thursday or Friday? I don't think it hurts. Uh, you know, on one hand, you have the Orioles who have lost nine in a row, and we've talked about it before with other teams going through massive losing streaks uh, with the with the way the Royals and Twins have struggled. That you know, kick them while they're down, and and even if uh, you know Kopech's out of there, Kopech probably would have been available for. Uh, the opener of the series and Eaton probably would get a breather, but yeah, probably, you know, wouldn't hurt to have guys take a day off. On the other hand, Tim Anderson was out of the lineup. Yasmani Grandal was out of the lineup. You're just getting days of rest. So they should be back. They should have more than enough talent to offset it. Um, on the other hand, you know, when, when you have the double header looming on Monday, it doesn't hurt to have at least maybe one day off, assuming there isn't going to be, I imagine there's some kind of language in the CBA to where you can't like stack double headers and have like a double header on Sunday going into a double header on Monday. I imagine they would just you know, reschedule a game for later in the year. And fortunately the White Sox are home for it. So if they lose an off day, at least they wouldn't have to travel for it. That's Baltimore's problem if it comes to that. And Ben, and when you're looking at these pitching probables, let's just work right now under the assumption that maybe mother nature is kind to the White Sox and especially White Sox fans that want to attend these games and they can get all four games in. When you're looking at the pitching probables for this series, John Means is throwing great. And I think John Means is going to find himself on the American League All-Star team this year, repping the Baltimore Orioles, maybe alongside with Trey Mancini, which has been a great story as he battled cancer and now he's back and uh, he's having a terrific season for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, but when it comes to the pitching problems and outside of John Means, nobody scares you. And I feel like the White Sox have to win at least three of these four games. Do you feel the same? Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, I, I just realized Saturday was Means Lynn, and now I'm going to find excuses to be busy Saturday so I can watch that game because that's going to be awesome. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a matchup against an inferior team. You need to win the series. So if it was the best of three, I'd say you need to take two or three. If it's best of four, you need to take three or four. Mother Nature, you know, dependent. But you can't expect more than three out of four against any team. So I'm expecting three. If they only get two out of four, something went wrong. And I, I'm not going to say who I think will probably be at, to blame because I don't want to get into that. But uh, three of four is the expectation. Uh, if our game gets rained out, it's two out of three. How do you feel about this series, Jim? Oh, I mean, when you just look at the starters and you see, you know, like I guess Matt Harvey would be the next litmus test for whether the White Sox can hit any righty because his ERA is almost nine. I'm looking. Yeah, he has more uh, runs allowed than strikeouts. 
He's got 20 earned runs. Well, he's got, even if you count the five uh, uh, unearned runs, like if you just count earned runs, he's got 20 earned runs and 15 strikeouts this year. Is that good? Games. Is having uh, more earned runs than strikeouts good? I'm trying to think if there's ever been a pitcher in history where that could work. And even probably <laughs> go back to like the 1880s, it probably didn't work. Um, but yeah, like he's the next litmus test for whether the White Sox can like hammer already without the assistance of like uh cartoonishly bad defense like the Cardinals had. So that's I think what I'm looking at. Uh you know, means is good. You know, if if means shuts down the White Sox, that's you know, even if he's lefty, it's like that's fine. Like, you know, just it's a good pitcher beating a, a an offense that'll happen. I, I would love to see means versus Rodon just because it seems like it would be the matchup of lefties with insanely good ERAs getting very little support. Uh, means has a 1.79 ERA, but he's four and oh, he's got 10 starts, so he's had six no decisions with that kind of line. And I think that's what you know that kind of speaks to the quality of the Orioles offense. So I'm hoping that uh, you know, Lynn can do the same thing, hold up his end of the bargain. Uh, even if he isn't like Rodon grade sexy right now with uh, just how he's demolishing hitters. Yeah, I hope the rain stays away, at least enough for the White Sox to get these games in because I feel like they have a good shot of winning all four of these games. And to go on Monday on Memorial Day and uh, talk about as far as the White Sox being at 32 and 20 and there's two games against Cleveland, uh, that would be an opportunity for the White Sox to add some extra ground against Cleveland. Cause right now the White Sox being at 28 and 20 Cleveland's 26 and 20, they're just a game back of the White Sox. So no matter, you know, for all the White Sox fans that are being really optimistic and positive as you should be 28 and 20 is a good start to the season, especially with all the injuries that have been happening but they're just a game ahead of Cleveland at this moment. There's not a lot of distance between first place and second place at this moment. And I would like the White Sox to be able to get these four games in against Baltimore and add some ground because this upcoming series against Cleveland, Jim, you don't want the White Sox to go from, hey, everyone's feeling great. They're two and a half games ahead of Cleveland a week ago. And they're in first place and they got the best record in the American league to the white Sox are now in second place. Yeah. Especially with, you know, going from a rotation that has, you know, Matt Harvey and, and Bruce Zimmerman to the quality of righties that, although I guess that police is out because he aggressively removed his shirts and broke a finger. But uh, aside from that injury, um, you know, even, you know, with a, uh, uh, you know, Plesek missing a series. They still have a Saval. They still have um, you know, uh, Bieber. They still, you can roll out any righty, you know, McKenzie, if he comes out to give the White Sox fit. So I think this series is important just because of, you know, hit Matt Harvey. Just hit him. Just literally. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe a, a tra- who is well, the not literally. Cause we want to leave him in the game. Well, so just hit off Wade, of him. Was it Wade Miley? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the Orioles starter who like White Sox hit with three line drives in one game. Oh, it might be Wade Miley. Yeah, I think it was him. So, but yeah, just (laughs) they've done it before to a, to a Baltimore starter, but yeah, no, yeah. Just, you know, loud contact, lots of loud contact, lots of line drives, lots of backs of outfielders uniforms. That's why, that's what I'd like to see. Well, again, hopefully the weather, uh, stays away as far as the rain for the White Sox. It doesn't look great right now with the forecast. And we'll provide those updates to you guys as far as uh, what's going on with the weather and what's happening with these games between the White Sox and Orioles. Again, it would be great if they could get all four games in against Baltimore. They will definitely get the games in for Saturday and Sunday. There's no issue as far as weather for those two days. Uh, fingers crossed to what happens Thursday and Friday between the White Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. We'll recap that series on Monday's Sox Machine podcast that will be released on Memorial Day. Uh, So I hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend upcoming. Uh, We do have a White Sox wake-up call that will be there in your podcast feed on Friday morning. And if you are not subscribed to the Sox Machine podcast or you're not a subscriber to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, slash Sox Machine. Go ahead and do that. So you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And whenever we do go live and we have a stream, you could watch us on youtube.com slash Sox Machine. 
Also follow us on Twitter. We are at Socks Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Socks Machine underscore Josh. And you can follow Bennett at the Bennett K. And if you need Twitter followers, he is your guy. He will help you get more Twitter followers. He is the Twitter cheerleader within White Sox Twitter. And we appreciate that from Bennett. Uh, except he's not helping me out, jerk, whatever. Uh, anyways, if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast or if you enjoy our work and you want to help support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash Machine, where you get exclusive content. Uh, also, bonus content as well with the podcast as we have bonus PO Sox questions that Jim and I answer additional questions every single week. And it comes with an ad free version of the podcast and an ad free version of the website. And when we have new socks machine swag, our Patreon supporters get first crack at it. So if you would like to get more and help support us, go to patreon.com slash socks machine, where we have several different tiers of support starting at $2, $3, $5 and $10 a month. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Bennett Carroll and Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.